Hello, welcome to episode 101 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined, as always, this time in person, by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hello, Husker fans and college football fans. And we are once again joined by a special guest, uh, Peter's brother, my uncle. We got AJ with us. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Feels pretty good to be in triple digits now, doesn't it? It does. It's yeah. kind of crazy that it's been that long. Yeah, sure is. Um, I hope you all out there enjoyed listening to our special 100th episode where we talked about the 96 Orange Bowl game. Oh, no, no. Fiesta Bowl. Uh, Fiesta Bowl, excuse me. And uh, where we uh, got our second championship of the 90s. It was a fun podcast to reminisce about. Um and uh, we are here today to talk about the Rutgers game that Nebraska played, as well as the conference championship games that uh, occurred and who won and how our predictions went. But before we dive into all that, I believe we have some beverages to crack for us. We do. And uh, we, since we happen to be in AJ's uh, abode uh, camper uh, right here in Bullhead City, Arizona, we're opening the Michelob Ultras, which is his favorite beer, the beer of the gods, as it were. For AJ, yo, I'm just drinking water today. I'm I'm wussing out a bit. All right. So uh, the first thing that we have on our schedule is, of course, that Rutgers game, the last game of the season, as it turns out. Um, I believe when we were talking um, on our the podcast, we not episode ninety nine. Um, we didn't know yet anything about the bowl possibilities or any of that sort of stuff. Um, and as it turns out, uh, this is the last game for the Huskers of the season. And it, thankfully, it was a victory. Um, the final score was 28-21. to 21. Nebraska went in. Uh, and then in our predictions, Dad, uh, I predicted Nebraska would win 24-21. And you predicted 38-17. Um, so it was a little bit closer uh, than you thought. And a little bit higher scoring than I thought. So right. that's kind of how it turned out. So it was somewhere in between. Yep, just a little bit in between. Um, however, your score would have probably been more accurate if it weren't for all the turnovers we had. Because <laughs> we had 620 yards of total offense in the game, but right. four turnovers. Right, yeah. And almost doubled them in first downs and just oh, about every other stat. More than doubled them. More than doubled It was them. 27 first downs to nine. Holy cow. <laughs> Yeah, they and and of their twenty-one points, one was a kickoff return for a touchdown, and uh, at least one of the others was uh, off the interception. Off, off, well, off it of was, the turnover it was supportive of, sort, of a certain yeah, cert, yeah, ter- yeah turnover, not one of the interceptions. I think it was one of the fumbles, but right. Well, and one, one thing to remember too is that they um, they actually got two field goals, and then when they did get their touchdown later on, they went for they two, went two and two got it, yes. which brought them to fourteen. Right. So it's a little bit deceiving when you look right. at the points. Um, but yeah, Diedrich Mills had a great game. He had 25 touches for 191 yards rushing and then another like 45 yards passing receptions. Uh, right. Uh, you know, Adrian had a lot of great completions as well. It was 24 of 28 overall, but with two interceptions in there. In the end zone. <laughs> yeah. In the end zone, which is where a lot of those points we should have gotten went. Right. Uh, so, you know, it was a frustrating game. I remember I, I was, I had something else going on that particular Saturday, that was distracting me from the game, but I also turned it off at certain points because I remember distinctly I saw that we had scored a touchdown. I was like, oh, right, we're back in this game. I turned it on, and then they do the kickoff return for a touchdown, Rutgers does, and I turned it back off. I was like, <laughs> well, 
Because this is... He's trying to take it. <laughs> yeah, borrowing from you there, AJ. But exactly. you have to remember, this is coming off of that atrocious Minnesota game where right. we also totally should have won and just oh, yeah. played awful and had Jeez. so many dumb mistakes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's an ugly W, but it's a W. We say we take the W's no matter how we can get them, right? That's right, exactly. At this point. That's right. Yes. That's part of building a program and building a winning culture. You have to win. Yep. And it doesn't matter how you do it. Then then eventually it starts to matter how you do it. Right. Frankly, you know, if Rutgers had more of an offense, they would have been able to take more advantage of all the turnovers Mishap. that Martinez was giving them. Um, you know, because, and, you know, I give him a little bit of slack because we know that he was playing hurt, you know, in that game. He's been kind of beat up this season. But still, the way he was fumbling it, you know, on good runs. He'd make a good run, get a first down, then fall down on the ball a little weird and just pop right out. It's yes. just frustrating. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Um, and he he, he kind of teases us and, and, and our coaches and everybody who watches Nebraska football with his individual talent in certain areas. But he'll back up one of his best throws of the season, which was a throw to uh, – Wandell, yeah. you know, where he dropped it right in uh, for Wandell and it was about a 45-yard, you know, completion, beautiful pass, just right where it had to be. And uh, uh, and then and then he makes absolutely bonehead decisions um, on one interception. Then he throws another interception where he just absolutely overthrows the receiver by 10 yards, you know, and, and there's a defensive back there to pick it up. So... Uh, I don't know what I, I don't know what you do as a coach, you know, because you see that skill in practice ninety percent of the time. It's phenomenal, and it's like this guy's going to be great in our offense, right? But you can't ignore that ten percent where he's making the bonehead choices. He had uh, he had twenty eight throws, and he completed twenty six of them. Twenty four. 26 oh them. yeah 26 two, them. Two, <laughs> two of them to the other team oh, unfortunately right. but <laughs> yeah you know, exactly sure that's worth noting that um he ran it 23 times for 157 yards we but, had that was a hell yeah. of a running game exactly right? yeah we had 365 total yards mostly just mills and martinez both just ran all over the place yeah. which that was nice to see us actually be able to establish a running Run, game yeah. and, and as shitty as our offense was this year we were the number two rushing team in the Big Ten. No kidding. I didn't know huh. that. Our final wow. statistic. Wow. Well, and that's the thing. I bet you if you look at our stats in terms of total yards, total yards we're yeah. probably oh, yeah. up there. When you start thinking about all the, the empty <laughs> yards that we produced. <laughs> no points. Yep. Well, All that, yards and no points. Yep. Well, and that's, that's what it comes down to. And once again here, uh, we had nine penalties, 56 <laughs> yards, so a lot of them were little five-yarders, well, but yeah. still. It's um, too many. Way yeah, too many. They, they're, they're, they've got to average probably nine a game this yeah, year, I would yeah, guess. Or yeah. Damn close and, to and it. And have been averaging that or a little higher for all three years of Scott. And frankly, that goes back to Riley. for even even Bo. I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it really does. Yeah. And we've never stopped being well, a right. high, well, highly penalized team. Yeah. Well, in, in I said to you off the podcast, in the second half of this season, I saw some improvement on that regard. Like, yes. At the very First few games of the season was really really bad. Um, we and then we had some games where we had like three, you know, like a, an acceptable amount, right. um, and then we seem to dive back right back down. So it's not a consistent trend, no. which is a problem. Exactly, that's what I want to see exactly. it become. And at the beginning of every season, we tend to have a lot of fifteen yarders. 
we have a lot of targeting calls early in the seasons, you know, th- those kinds of things. And then that seems to diminish as the season goes along. Right. But back to this Rutgers game. The bottom line is that, you know, anybody who's watching that game, you're watching an offense that moves the ball, turns it over. Then gets the ball a second time, moves the ball, turns it over. They, maybe on the third third time we, we score a touchdown, I think, that we had the ball, our third possession, we we get a touchdown. And then on the fourth possession, we we move the ball into the red zone, throw an interception. So there, there's three, three out of four of our first possessions of the game, and we've been marching it up and down the field, and we got virtually nothing to show for it. Right. And that's the part that is just unacceptable, right? Because that is completely within our control. That's not the other team doing stuff to us. That's us doing it to ourselves. Right. And that has been the consistent theme of this season and even the microcosm of this game. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, you know, once again, on the bright side, like even when the offense was being idiots and turned the ball over, the defense did a good job of holding them to field goals. They only had 252 yards for the whole game, and a good chunk of that's from that kickoff return. Well, well no, no, that, no that, that wouldn't count oh, okay. on that. But, right. but, but there was one big pass play in the first – you know, they're one of their first uh, drives. In fact, I think it was their first drive. They had like a 50-yard pass. It was like the biggest play they had the whole game. But to hold a, a team to 250 oh, yeah. yards in, nowadays, in, in that's, yeah, that's, that's ridiculously great. low. Yeah. So yeah. the defense, you know, should be, uh, uh, you know, praised for that. Praised for that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right here. Yeah, it says, and then on kickoff return yards, they had, they received five of our kickoffs for 192 yards. Yeah. A good chunk of that was Holy from that cow. return. But then there was another one, I remember, where they got it. It's the 40-yard line. A kickoff. Uh, yeah. yeah, right. You know, so yep. our kickoff coverage Crazy. continues to be yeah. well, and our, um, and our special bad. teams and in our general. Strategies. Yeah, our strategies. Uh, how, well, you know. Um, I will say, and this transitions nicely into some uh, postseason talk a little bit here, yeah. but um, Connor Culp, our field goal kicker, I think he only missed one field goal the whole season. Correct. He did. You know, um, maybe he's not an Alex Henry type who could, you know, can make it from, you know, 55 yards out or whatever. He was first team, all big 10, big 10 kicker of the year. Yeah. He's our only all big 10 player. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's one area where we've been good. And then that's a great thing to have. Cause when you don't have a reliable, consistent field goal kicker, you feel it, you yes. know, the, the, yes. the inability to get points that way is important. That's true. Um, now he, he missed the last couple of games for what reason? Connor Culp. Yeah. He did not. He he kicked the whole time. He did? Yeah, he oh, kicked the whole okay. time. Now, I'm not sure he was our kickoff guy. He was our field goal kicker. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't remember whether he was uh, kicking those kickoffs, but I think he was. And, the, you know, it, but that's why I say it's not just about the physical. It's about the strategy. Why we're kicking those stupid pop-ups, you know, to the 30-yard thir- line. Yeah. line or the 25-yard yeah. line is beyond me. Yeah. Because uh, even though we saw it work in postseason – during a bowl game where somebody did it, they did it and it was a surprise. Okay. Well, th- so that means you can do that once or twice in the entire season but they were and doing surprise some every game. But yeah, that was a fixed strategy. If yeah. anybody had a good kickoff uh, returner, which this team did, right. The kid who did end up sending us, uh, uh, having a return on us. Right. Uh, we were trying to avoid kicking to him. Well, kick the goddamn thing out of the end zone. Then yeah. don't let him return it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or make him return it by starting from eight yards or five yards in the end zone. Because right. by then, we should have enough coverage, even if he is fast, 
to get down there and you know square up on him and knock him down, right? But we don't have a guy strong with a strong enough leg. So even though Connor Culp has been good, there's clearly still some issues with strength of leg. But to bring it back to what Alex said, uh, that, it's a real good thing that 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 fellow mm-hmm. has decided to to come back. Come back, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yep, yep. And we've also got JoJo Doman who's announced that he's going to stay for right. next year. And there's rumors that Will Honus is going to do the same as well. well hopefully, yeah. Hopefully yeah. that comes to tr- fruition. And then also, um, uh, 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 Mills, um, Diedrich Mills, Diedrich Mills, Diedrich Mills is yeah. also has not decided yet or has not announced yet what he's going to do. And maybe he's waiting until he's coming back next semester or or not. Uh, but uh, I I think it would be fabulous for Diedrich to come back because he really didn't get much of a season this year until that final game. You know, right. he was hurt. Yeah. He, do you know? Do you know when they they start classes again and stuff? It's got to be here pretty quick. Um, it? No, well, it's a little bit later because of COVID, the way they set it up. Right. Um, so uh, I think they still have at least another week, week? before they oh, okay. before they come back. Okay. Uh, but I would expect during this week, kids will start coming back right. to, to school. And for context, for everybody, we're recording this on January third. Right. So that's what we're talking about in terms of next week. But, you know, for as much as we've complained about how ugly the game was, at the end of the day, W is a W. We ended the season on a W, which is always an important thing, since we, um, apparently the team voted and more players than not decided not to play in the bowl game. So we did not uh, participate in any bowl games. So this is how we're ending the season. And we've got some good news, like those players staying. We also got a four-star linebacker from Hawaii to commit yes. to us. And I won't even try to pronounce the guy's name. <laughs> yeah, but, I took a look. <laughs> but he's the number. Wendell, I think, is his first name. But uh, 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 he is the number one recruit, according to rivals, uh, from the state of Hawaii. So that is great that we got him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and it, for as disappointed as I am in this season, um, I can definitely see that from from last year to this year, I've seen improvements on many areas of the football team. Mm-hmm. I get what Frost is saying when he says he sees we're close, we're close. he sees the kids in practice that we're doing good and that we're close. You know, because so many of our losses this year were by seven points or less, right? Like, you know, if just a couple things go differently. If we don't, if we just stop shooting ourselves in the foot, we have the offensive capability as we saw in this game 600 right. yards right but, or but now second best rushing in the big 10 but now that book is out there on nebraska that's how iowa plays this every year that's how northwestern plays this every year and so far it's worked for them every year pretty much right or most mm-hmm. years with scott frost where where you know he tries uh to do his offense and they know that the offense is air prone enough that it's going to make enough mistakes that they'll be able to take advantage of and at the end of the day they'll win a close one right and and so until we reduce those errors you know we're going to keep losing those close games because mm-hmm. you can't win games when you're making those kinds of mistakes so you know but there's there's just so many specifics that we can go into in the in the future podcast over the off season uh, about things that I, I, I we we will try to break down you know almost position by position on where we got to do improvements <laughs> well, you have fun with that yeah <laughs> i will yeah, you can do that research for us. But, um, you know, there is, you know, and obviously this is a weird year, COVID year for everybody. You know, I know we've talked with our buddy Brian Clower, who is a Michigan fan. And obviously, Michigan had a very disappointing year for them. But, you know, he's kind of just throwing the season away. Oh, this was a weird COVID year. You know, uh, let's take what we can into next year. And then that's where we'll see the real improvement. I think next year is a very important year for Scott Frost. Um 
Not to say that he'll get, you know, fired for sure next year, but if he has another four win season, that seat's going to be very, very hot in my opinion. Absolutely. I agree with you. I, I think, I think he's got two more years. I, I think next year it'll get hot, but it will go nowhere next year because of the schedule. I think, I think uh, they're going to give him a little bit more of leeway. a pass, a little more leeway. And they're going to give him one more year after that. But I, I would say that in two years, if what you say is still true, he's gone. Right. Okay. So the other thing that we did on the previous episode, episode 99, was we gave our predictions on those conference championship games, which, of course, have long since happened now. And uh, the first one we can talk about is the Pac-12 championship game. Um, we both predicted that USC would win that game because Oregon got into the game via being the... Washington, who was supposed to be there having COVID issues, so Oregon got in by being the second best team. So we all thought, oh, well, you know, they didn't have a great season. USC should beat them. Uh, but nope, that's not how it turned out after all. Um, oh, darn. I, oh, there it is. Uh, it was 31 Oregon, 24 USC. So Oregon ended up pulling that one out with their uh, just talented, fast players. Yes, yes, as it turns out. Um, so we got that one wrong. Uh, then in the Big Ten, of course, there was Ohio State versus Northwestern. We both went, both went with OSU, and they did end up winning twenty-two to ten. But Northwestern was winning nine to six at halftime. Yes, and uh, I got to give credit to Pat Fitzgerald and his coaching staff for really coming in with a good game plan. And Ohio State really looked uh, inept. And uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Fields? Justin Fields threw a lot of interceptions and was making a lot of mistakes. Um, but then in the second half, they realized they could run Trey Sermon, and he would just power through Northwestern, and he just went to town and had like 300 yards. 331 and, yards. Yep, and just yeah, blew it away in the second half. Oh, but... that brings back bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that on the next podcast. Don't you worry. But, uh, uh, you know, still, though, a good showing from Northwestern, I would say, in that game. Um, and then there's the SEC game, which was Alabama-Florida. We both predicted Alabama would win it, and they certainly did. Uh, but ended up being a high-scoring game on both sides, 52-46. to 46. AJ over here put a bet on the 17-point spread uh, for Alabama, and it didn't end up going that way. Florida scored a lot of points in the second half to yeah. keep it close. The, the thing was, it's garbage time type stuff, you know? Uh, I mean, Alabama actually had a lead uh, at times where you thought, okay, they got control of this thing. But then Florida would... You know, make another play, just hang around, and all of a sudden it, it was, got tight, and it was weird. They they were ahead by 18 at halftime, and I, right. turned, the, I turned the game off. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in the bag. It was in the bag, man. Yeah. Didn't know till the next morning. Right. Yeah, well, and we'll once again, when we get to the bowl games, we'll talk a little bit more about Florida's quarterback, Trask. Um, but that game proved to me he definitely does have one hell of an arm because he was making a lot of deep passes and getting them – right in where they need to be. That was what was keeping them in that game. Yeah. But then he turned, well, well yeah, we we'll, were not we'll supposed talk, to talk we'll about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the next, yes. next podcast. Preview okay. for next time. Okay. Uh, and then there's the uh, <laughs> ACC. Oh, and I don't, uh, I must, yeah, I, I was uh, in a different frame of mind when I wrote this. Uh, I predicted that uh, Notre Dame would pull out the upset, beat Clemson, whereas you went with Clemson, the obvious choice. And that went Clemson's way. It was 34 to 10. 
frankly, it, that score doesn't. It wasn't even that close. Yeah, wasn't even that close. Because it was thirty-four, like the three, and then Notre Dame got a garbage touchdown there at the end. Yeah. But yeah, Clemson totally dominated that game. Notre Dame did have a chance early, early. where they were getting some scores going. And they right. were being like Nebraska, get it down near the red zone, but and not kick not, a field goal, right? And, right. Not or, score. Or, yeah, they had a turnover or something. You know, they they left points on the on the field for sure. <laughs> so that would have kept that closer. But yeah, Clemson looked damn good in that game. Another preview for next time might have influenced my thought process a little bit going into their uh, semifinal game. You and me both. <laughs> and then lastly, there was the Big 12 game uh, with Iowa State versus Oklahoma. And I decided to be the optimist and go with my heart and said Iowa State, whereas you said Oklahoma. And of course, the realist one out there. And it ended up being uh, Oklahoma 27, ISU 21. Um once again, a game where Oklahoma kind of had control for most of the game, and Iowa State started to make a comeback in the fourth quarter, but it wasn't quite enough. You know, I just can't say enough good things about Iowa State, though, because they play for 60 minutes, no matter what the heck the situation is. And we can only hope, and I know that uh, one of the local writers just recently wrote an article about that same subject and how, you know, we we could do well to emulate what Iowa State does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, Matt Campbell is the coach over there, and he's done a really good job of, um, you know, slowly kind of building up their program to where it is now. Right. Mm-hmm. The, that comes coach down. Yep. Right. Oh, what absolutely. you're talking about. Absolutely. Coach down. Absolutely. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So that's all very important. So that set up, um, of course, what our. Uh, Final games were going to be, which left us with number one being Alabama, number two Clemson, number three Ohio State, number four Notre Dame, which on the previous uh, podcast we were speculating about what it would be, and that was kind of our uh, assumption was that if uh, Clemson beat Notre Dame, so avenging their loss to Notre Dame earlier in the season, then that would make it kind of easy for the uh, playoff committee because then uh, you know Notre Dame has one loss, they're in at the number four spot. Boom. If Notre Dame had won, then Clemson would have been out. And then that would have kind of left the hole open for A&M or Oklahoma or somebody else to kind of squeeze in there. Right. Um, now, I feel like, you know, the committee made a reasonable decision by leaving Notre Dame in there. And the final four that they had, you know, uh, seemed to work for me. But, AJ, I know you were not such a it's, fan of the committee's decision. It was absolutely ridiculous that they what they picked what they picked. There's absolutely no way that anybody should be picking Notre Dame over Oklahoma or Texas A&M. I mean, it was just, it's nuts. It's just not even, I just can't imagine why they would do that. There's no reason to do that. So I'm I'm not sure why they, they could have picked that. Both teams are quite a bit better than Notre Dame was. The only thing that kept Notre Dame in the entire conversation for the entire year is because they beat Clemson at home without Trevor Lawrence and two or three other players. Okay, that's ridiculous. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is a a completely different... It changes the game game completely. And and as soon as they rematched... Yeah, yeah, it was demonstrated in the championship game. I mean, it was just... it's And then after they demonstrated it, 
the doggone committee still picked them. And I, that's ridiculous. They were not the number four team in the nation. They weren't even the... Uh, they would barely make my top ten. Right. It's just nuts. Yeah. They should. They, they could have easily picked Oklahoma. Oklahoma actually won the championship. Right. Texas A and M. I mean, they didn't win their championship, but they were a damn good right. team. And Oklahoma also, like Clemson, avenged an earlier loss because Iowa State right. beat them earlier. I, yeah, exactly and in then, the championship game. Right. Well, you gotta you gotta put some kind of. I would think that, and I thought this was part of the deal from right. the beginning of that the, of the college of the co- yeah the playoff system yeah. that that championships Man. uh mattered yeah and in this case it didn't well and and but they've already I, proved I'm that. telling that's you not the first year that's not the first year they, they have right. overlooked the championship element that. but and, uh, but the the thing of it is is that i i just can't imagine them leaving the big 12 championship team out i just can't imagine them leaving them out I mean, I, 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 you know, there's absolutely no way in my book Notre Dame deserved to be there at all. But I could even make a case for Oklahoma being there in front of Ohio State. Right. Because even though Ohio State was undefeated, they had only played six games, whereas Oklahoma had played more like ten. And, the, the, I mean, and this has happened before, too. Right. One ugly loss holds them back and in right. this case it was Kansas State. Right. They lost to exactly. Kansas State that's by like it. three that, points. Well, and that's, that's and, and therefore at the end of the day, humans uh, who are involved in this process can't seem to get a loss out of their head. They 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 just can't ignore uh these losses. When sometimes you have to look at the loss in context and kind of look at the body of work around that loss and make a better decision. And they can't do that. The reason they chose Notre Dame, I think was more than anything else, the fact that Notre Dame is Notre Dame historically. Who and cares? I know, but I, I get the I get the who cares. But AJ, I'm just telling you that had an influence on that committee because because they always want to have the Notre Dame eyeballs. Okay, so it's a but money this, decision. But the thing of it is, is Oklahoma has as many great fans across oh, the nation as it. Notre Dame does. Well, they have a better history than Notre Dame they do. does. They do. I mean, it's I it's agree. ridiculous. I, I mean, uh, but uh, 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 but the, it's an East Coast bias that still exists. Uh, that whole New York City alumni thing that goes uh, back to the nineteen frickin' forties and thirties and shit. But. Oklahoma people and I know. the alumni, they're as Across. huge as Notre Dame way, is. Way bigger. Notre yes. Dame's a small school. Yes, exactly. And it's like, it didn't make any sense right. that they let them in and they kept Oklahoma well, out. And I, I looked agree. at Notre Dame's schedule, and I think they beat one other top North 25. Carolina. Yep, they beat North Carolina on their path. Yeah. That was, that was and, it. And frankly, North Carolina then did them a, a service, you know, so uh, by being credible. The rest of their season, North Was Carolina nothing. won won uh, every game except Clemson and uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Um, right. So they beat Miami. They beat some other teams. Blah blah blah. And so North right. uh, North, um, North Carolina gave them credibility. What's interesting? What you just said sparked a thought in me when you're talking about the humans doing the right. CFP, right? Because that was part of the whole. That was the why transition. we went there, right? Well, our transition from the BCS to CFP was. Right. The BCS the being AP coaches poll and, and the, the computers, computers stuff, get the right? Computers out. Get the computers out of it. Give us humans that will be accountable right. to what they decide, and right. that you know we can 
you know, bang on them about it, you know, uh, hold them to task. Which, which happens for a week, right? Yeah, Every and time that's it. It yeah. happens for a week, yeah. and then, and then, and the, then, it's then the conversation yeah. disappears. Yeah. And, and so they're not really held accountable. And I would like to see, you know, the leadership of that committee taking the task every season, even when they do it right. And and they get the right four teams taking the task to say, okay, what were the how did they how do? did this happen? Yeah. You know, what how were the key things? Yeah. And and show us very clearly what your priorities are, so that so that teams and leagues, you know, commissioners of leagues can make the right decisions about what they should be doing. Because my argument would be that uh, the Big Ten totally blew it when we when they were organizing themselves after they added uh, Maryland and Rutgers. They would have never gone to nine, nine games if they believed that the college football playoff committee was going to behave the way they've behaved. They would have never done that. They would have stayed at eight games. They would have let every team have four non-conference games and, and all that shit because apparently they can't see past losses. They can't see past the difference between, you know, a, a uh, uh, what, nine and three uh, Big Ten team who's played nine conference games and a ten and two um um, team from another league that only plays eight conference games. Right. Okay. They can't see the difference, and, and recognize what what one team has had to go through versus another. And then this year, shit, throw throw the baby out with the bathwater because of COVID. Yeah. There's none. It, of it that. was always going to be harder, trickier this year because of all the different conferences having different number of games and all that. So I, I get that this year was more difficult and weirder than any other year, but. Um, I just believe that the controversy of, of these recent seasons, and particularly this year and others, will lead to changes when they finally get to that 10-year time frame. Mm-hmm. Yep, the end of the current contract. contract. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I think that's true. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more in the next podcast, right. the okay. talk that there is out there about the expansion to eight and all that fun stuff. But... Um, is there anything else that we want to say about the Nebraska Cornhuskers as we wrap up this podcast in terms well, of this season? You know, like you said, I, I, I especially during the off season, I'm a guy who drinks Kool Aid, and so <laughs> sure um, are. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, I, I always am looking for the silver linings, and 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 I see all of these stats that tell me we're we are close, okay, but I also see the very obvious. Uh, d- uh, deficiencies. deficiencies, discrepancies yeah. in that progress as well. And and uh, the thing that frustrates me is I would have expected that what I would be looking at and in year three of Scott Frost is that we would we were still a few players away. You know, we needed a few more guys, you know, that could defensive ends who could rush the passer and things of that nature. And we're there. We have that problem, right? But the ones that are really holding us back all center around our coaches. They center around what they're doing, right? So the discipline we, of the team, the discipline of the team, the 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 the, the strategies that are employed in the in the in the special teams area, the strategies that are employed in terms of the game plan, especially the offensive play calling. I mean, you know, literally two weeks in a row, you start two different games with a, a basically a lateral pass that almost that in one case is a fumble. And in another case, gets bobbled and should have been a fumble, but they didn't call it a fumble. But in both cases, our player missed the catch, right, of this simple little pass and ended up with a major negative play that put your very first drive of the game 
into reverse. Why would you call that same play two weeks in a row, especially after it blew up in your goddamn face the first time? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But right. So it's those kinds of things of, of them not understanding. And then when they see that being aggressive and running between the tackles establishes a rhythm for their offense, and then they go away from it again. They don't stay with that. Why wouldn't you do that? So it's there's fundamental, basic, simple stuff that seem to be eluding Scott and his staff. And defensively, I could go into things there, too, even though we improved and everybody says, oh, the defense is better. Yeah, it's better, but it ain't near where I want it to be or where it needs to be, okay? And, 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 and again, some of the strategies that are being employed, crazy, don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah we, we've talked about it throughout the season, like areas where we um... – like I think it was that uh, Minnesota game, right, where we went into some more zone. zone, zone blocking after the previous game where we had done man-to-man against Purdue, uh, Purdue's receivers and done well with that, and that's where right. Cam Taylor-Britt had an amazing game. Right. Um, D- doesn't make any sense. Right. It doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, for me, uh, the, the things I want to see improve for sure in the offseason are on the offensive side of the ball. Mostly, I think there are issues on the defensive side of the ball, but if the offense cleans itself up, you know, the defense gets more time on the sidelines, isn't getting put in these situations where they're on the 40-yard line after a turnover, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think some of those issues with the defense will wrinkle themselves out if the offense improves as well. Um, And in particular, you know, to get uh, Adrian Martinez, a better quarterback, routine in the offseason whatever verdasco has been doing clearly hasn't been working for him so those are the things i'm hoping to see improve in the offseason and special teams as well i I will i will go on record as believing that verdusco's probably not going to be part of the staff next year i think he's done yeah um any final thoughts on the season from you aj no i I agree with you uh, alex I, i there's just uh there's so many areas that they can improve upon and it just seems like coaching is is a major part of it, and uh, the lack of discipline in the day, the play in and play out things are are uh, are really hurting the team, both offensively and defensively. Right. So that's about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, get we'll get into it uh, preseason next year. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yep. We've got a whole off season here now to yeah. talk about it. Right. Sure doesn't feel that way. It feels like. September was just a few months ago. I know. Yeah. You know, just a little bit ago. But all right. Well, we hope you all out there enjoyed listening to this podcast. We'll be coming back to you with another one where we'll go more in depth on all the bowl games, the semifinal games, and previewing the upcoming national championship games. So you can look forward to that. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can reach out to us at huskerpeat13 at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us if you search for College Football Throwdown on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You can leave us a rating or review there. We always love it listening from the fans. We'll read it out on the air. So thank you all for listening, and thank you, Pete and AJ, for joining me for this special episode. And until next time, go Big Red. Go Big Red! Go Big Red.